we fight fair. We, we kind of set down some ground rules, probably in the first couple of years that we were married, that we would not fight in public. We might be arguing and fighting, but I still, I, you know, I love you and I want to work this out. Listen to each other and respect each other enough to know that they have feelings and an opinion and it's important to them, I think. In a marriage, you're constantly thinking about what can I do for him? And he's constantly thinking about me, what can I do for her? Putting ourselves, you know, kind of second when it comes to each other. We'll start to get upset about something and then we're like, really, on the grand scheme of things, this is really a big deal. Hey everybody, welcome to the second week of a five-week series called From This Day Forward. If you missed last week, what we're doing is we're trying to invest in the lives of those who would hope to get married one day to give you some tools that will prepare you for your future marriage. And for those who already are married, we're actually making five commitments that I believe with all my heart that if we make these and keep these, that we can actually fail-proof our marriage. So let me cover these with you if you're taking notes. Uh, last week, we made the commitment to seek God, and we agreed that as couples, we would pray together every day. And I heard from so many of you that that was really um, just really an incredibly spiritually intimate experience. Today, we're going to talk about fighting fair. We're going to learn how to fight fair. Next week, we're going to talk about how to have fun in our marriages, and we may talk about getting a little bit romantic, because how many of you know a little romance can be fun every now and then too? Don't sit there like you're all dead and never got excited about that. If you don't get excited about that, this may not be the place for you. Nothing wrong with a little snooky, snooky, lovey, lovey, lovey. Okay, uh, then we're gonna talk about um, uh, staying pure. We're gonna stay pure and then we're going to never give up. So what I want is everybody, all of our churches, can you uh, join with me in saying these? What are our commitments? What are we going to do? We're going to seek God. We're going to fight fair. We're going to have fun. We're going to stay pure, and we're going to never give up. Now, everybody join in like you mean it. Don't just sit there like a bump on a log. This is church, and we're having fun. What are we going to do? We're going to seek God. We're going to fight fair, we're going to have fun, we're going to stay pure, and we're going to never give up. Today, I want to talk to you about fighting fair, and to do so, I've got two bonus scriptures for you. They're not even in your notes. These are extra verses. The first one will bring some excitement to the men. If we have any men in the place, could you give me a grunt really, really loud? This one is for you. I, I hear barking. I said grunt, not barking. Okay. Yeah. Proverbs 27, 15, men, this one is for you. The Word of God says, A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. And all the men said, Amen. A quarrelsome, nagging, manipulative, critical wife. She's like a drip, 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 drip. Drip. Now, ladies, lest you feel left out, this next verse is for you. Scripture says, it is better to have severe hemorrhoids <laughs> than to live with a husband who is a jerk. <laughs> and all the ladies said, 
The scriptural reference for that is 2 Craig 4.2. <laughs> Some of you may say, I've never heard of that book. It's not, not actually in the Bible. I made that up, but it should be in the Bible. So, <laughs> all right. How many of you, you've ever fought about something with anybody over something stupid and insignificant? Raise your hands. Raise your hand. Anybody get in a fight on the way to church? Raise your hands. Raise your hand. And you're sitting there by yourself today. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. We, uh, our most famous fight is actually an ongoing battle, but the big one that's in the Groeschel marital history books happened when we were newlyweds, and it was over, of all things, pancakes. Now, you may say, why did you fight over pancakes? The reality is my wife, Amy, although perfect in almost every way, was, was raised in a dysfunctional pancake home. They don't know how to make pancakes right. And all of you who are more skilled in the spiritual gift of pancake making, you know that you should make a relatively thin batter, turn the griddle up high, put some butter on it so it sizzles before you put them on, put the pancakes on about so big, not huge and disfigured, and they should all be approximately the same size, and you should let them bubble up quickly, and then you I feel the spirit in the place, and you turn them over quickly, and then you take four the exact same size, you put them on a plate, immediately you put butter on it, and you get some log cabin syrup, and you eat them while they're hot, and everybody said amen. amen. Amy, on the other hand, although I love her and honor her, she makes this wheat flop stuff. It's like goopy thing, puts the, th the, the griddle on low, and then puts different sizes blobs. There's no bubbles, there's no butter, there's no sizzle, and then she turns over these grilled dough ball things and <laughs> puts them on a plate and kind of flops them there and they get cold. And then she pulls out some kind of health, and I'm, I'm all for healthy, but not with pancakes. You just got to do them right or don't do them at all. This kind of watery liquid stuff and then tried to put these things in front of me. And as she was making more, we were newlyweds, I just leaned over and said, you're not doing that right. And she looked at me like, I'm not what? I said, you're not doing that right. And she said, I'm doing it right. I said, no, you're not. And she said, yes, I am. I said, move, let me show you how to do it. And she said, I'm not moving. I said, no, this is important to me. And I stepped forward, and she said, no, it's important to me. And she put her shoulder into me like a football player would and knocked me to the side. Now, I've become much more godly since, but I said something that wasn't very godly and started moving toward her. She pulled the spatula up <laughs> and flung pancake glob toward me and said, get out of my kitchen. And I said, get out of my house. And $800 of marital counseling later, we were back in love again. Now, <laughs> How did that happen over something so insignificant, and yet that happens to us in relationships all the time? In fact, just last week, Amy came to me crawling on her hands and knees after a fight, just crawling in after the fight, and said, get up from out, out from under that bed, you coward, and fight like a man. <laughs> Here's the reality. She told me to tell you that's a joke, by the way. So... so. The reality is that all couples will fight. All, why? Because we're sinners and our, and our sinfulness leads us to do sinful things. All couples will fight. But here's what we need to understand. Healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples fight dirty, below the belt, jabs, undercuts, accusations. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight 
for victory. In fact, there's a fascinating study you can read about by a guy named Dr. John Gottman, who's a, um, kind of a marriage specialist. He studied couples who fight for 16 years, and he watched them and studied how they fight. And now he can watch a couple for only five minutes and determine within 91% accuracy whether this couple will make it or if they will divorce. Because he says it's all about how you fight. It's not if you fight, but it's how you fight. And as couples, we are going to seek God and we are going to fight fair. And our verse today I want to focus on is found in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. And scripture says, everyone should be quick to do what? Say it aloud. Everyone should be Quick to listen. Come on, everybody work with me. It's no fun without you. Everyone should be quick to listen. And what else? And slow to speak. And what else? And slow to become angry, for a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I want you to watch as we look at James 1.19 and break it down. How one verse inspired by God through his Holy Spirit can bring healing and teach us not to fight dirty, but instead to fight fair. Here's three rules to fight fair. First of all, we need to stop. We're in a fight. Things are escalating. We need to stop to listen carefully because so often we don't. James 1.19 is very clear. Everyone should be what? Say it aloud. Everyone should be quick to listen. But what are we often quick to do? We're quick to speak, aren't we? We're quick to argue back. We're quick to make a point. We're quick to throw a low blow in. We're quick to speak, and we need to be instead quick to listen. Now, I don't know about you, but this is honestly a challenge for me um, because I'm kind of ADD. Um, uh, I, the other day, I was texting um, a, a pastor on staff, and Amy came in and said, I need to talk to you about something important. And so in my mind, my mind said, Craig, put the phone down. But the man inside of me said, hey, you can do two things at once, lion man. <laughs> you know, and so I kept on texting, and, and was, she said, are you listening? Uh-huh. Are you listening? Uh-huh. Are you listening? Uh-huh. And then I got through texting, and I made the fatal error of asking her about something that she had just said. You're only half listening. You're not paying attention to me. You don't value me. You're like, I was too. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. A few minutes later, as God would provide it, I started saying something to her, and guess what she was doing? She was texting. <laughs> and so I said, are you listening? Uh-huh. Are you listening? Uh-huh. I said, okay. And then, well, uh, when I walked out, Side out of the woods came a giant man-eating cat with thumbs, uh-huh. And I went on and I said, you're not listening. You're not paying. You're only half listening. She said, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> then she went, meow. <laughs> we should be quick to listen. And, and again, don't let the power of the simplicity pass you by. When we start to fight, we stop, and we really need to focus and really, really hear what the other person is saying. Here's what Scripture says if we don't do it. Proverbs 18.2 says, a fool, everybody say a fool. A fool finds no pleasure in what? A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights 
and airing his own opinions. A fool is like, hey, I don't really care what you're saying, but I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. And that's what we often do in fights. We're not trying to understand the other person. We just want to be heard. We just want to make our point. We just want to win. And Scripture says we're foolish when we do that. We're not fighting fair. Um, here's a couple of things I learned in seminary when I took a class on um, counseling couples. And it was very, very helpful, very, very simple. And that is, in an argument, what we should do is we should repeat back to our spouse what our spouse just said. And what it does is it forces us to listen, and then it validates our spouse to know that, we, that, that he or she has actually been heard. And so what you're saying is this, and you repeat it back. And what that does is it keeps it focused on the issue at hand rather than escalating and we start fighting about how we're fighting rather than about fighting for resolution about the issue. The next step, and this is so huge, and men, especially um, for you, in a way to minister to your wife, even though you're upset and even though you're angry and even though she is kind of being, you know what, what you do is you stop and repeat back to her and you can validate each other's feelings by saying, I understand why you would feel this way when I do whatever. I understand why you would feel this way. And you don't have to agree with the issue, but you can validate the feelings. So what you're saying is, when I did this, repeat back what was just said, it made you feel neglected or undervalued. And suddenly what you're doing is you're really keeping it on the issue rather than doing what we so often do is fighting about what we just said and letting the issue get buried somewhere in our inappropriate behavior. Stop to listen. What are you saying? I value what you're saying. I want to be, I want to hear you and not just you hear me. The second thing scripture teaches us is to guard our words faithfully. Guard them faithfully. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to speak. I love Proverbs 21, 23. Scripture says, watch your tongue. And somebody say this aloud. Somebody, watch your tongue and keep your trap shut. Keep your big mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Okay? That's a great verse. Not a great verse to quote to your spouse in the middle of a fight, but a great verse. Okay? Watch your mouth. Keep your mouth shut. When you're in a fight, do this. And I'm telling you, force yourself, when you're about to say something, ask yourself two questions. Ask yourself, should it be said? And ask yourself, should it be said now? Should it be said? If you're running late to the airport and your wife says, make sure the dishes are clean, and you're wondering, why would you want the dishes clean? We're late for the airport. Don't say, why do you want the dishes clean? Because a burglar might come in and see our dishes, for which she says, I don't care, just do the dishes. Then don't call her a psycho. <laughs> don't do that. Yes, your pastor did that only once, but learned from it. <laughs> Should it be said? Don't, and if, if the answer is no, don't say it because you can't take back your words. The next question is, should it be said now? Because there are th some things that need to be said, but not in the middle of a fight. 
There are new issues that need to be introduced to work through, but not in the middle of the fight. You stay focused on the issue at hand, and you're fighting fair to work toward resolution on that one issue. So what Amy and I do, and we've done this for 21 years, and it's truly one of the most practical and helpful tips I can give you, is we work on our marriage during non-conflict times. And this is a tool I learned in seminary that we've done for years and years. We call it marital checkup. And what I do is I say to her, we've got the kids to bed. We've got an hour to talk. Things are good. And I ask her, and then she asks me, what are three things that I do that bless you? And some of you may say, but I can't think of three things that the old bag does. No, you think of three things. And what that does is, is it, it, it leads to positive momentum in the conversation, and then it helps us to know what are things we actually do that's helpful. For instance, Amy's like, one of the most romantic things you do is give the kids baths and put them to bed. When you do that, that really excites me. I'm like, hey, scrub-a-dub-dub, three kids in a tub. Come on, get naked, kids, and scrub them up you know, in the bed. And because it, it helps me to know, and I don't always know. The second question is, what are three things I could do that would be even a bigger blessing? So we've already got positive momentum, and then we give permission in a safe and loving context to talk about those issues that could make the marriage better. Well, to be honest, when you do such and such, it makes me feel this way. Or when you don't do this, it makes me feel this way. And so we've got the momentum of already working together toward a good and blessing marriage, and we can bring up those issues that we really need to talk about. Should it be said and should it be said now? Now, uh, even if you follow these rules, you're still going to get in a fight, and let me give you some rules for the fight. If you're dating, hope to be dating, uh, you're engaged, there, it's a great time to decide on some rules for your relationship, and before you get married, Amy and I, we made some rules, we memorized some verses, and we just agreed these were going to be some gross shell family values, and here's some rules you could agree on. You can add to these or whatever, but here's a starting point. Never call names. Never call names, unless it's like your little pet love name for each other, like, okay, Pookie Boo, I'm sorry, or whatever, okay? Uh, never raise your voice. You raise your voice, nothing good comes of it. Keep it, step back, count to 10, breathe in, uh, sing a song, say a prayer, say 14 prayers, pray in tongues. I don't know, whatever you have to do, you calm down. Okay, uh, never get historical. Don't get historical. Uh, no, I didn't, that's not a typo. You know, back in 1962, I remember when you know. Don't go there. We're not playing scorecards. Score don't get uh, don't get historical. Never say never or always. Never say never or always. This is one of the fastest way um, just to be offensive because never and always is just uh, rarely true. Instead, you, instead, and I'll say it sometimes like, Amy, you never, oh, well, most of the time you don't. And what we're doing is we're showing and communicating respect. Never say never or always. Um, never threaten divorce. Don't do it. That's a low blow. That's uncalled for. Remember, we're a couple that never gives up, and so we are never going to res resort to that kind of below-the-belt threat. There's nothing good from that. Never, ever threaten divorce. And finally, when you're in a fight, never quote your pastor. Don't ever do it. Never quote <laughs> your pastor during a fight. Leave me out. Pastor Craig said, no, no, you got in it. You get out of it. Leave me out of it. <laughs> I'm at home making pancakes, okay? So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Excuse me. Stop to listen carefully. 
Guard your words faithfully. And then finally, if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, we're going to learn to handle our anger righteously. Handle our anger righteously. This is so important because you will get angry, and we want to handle it um, being led by the Spirit of God. James 1.19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and what else? Slow to become angry. Listen, there are some things you've just got to learn to let go, okay? If you want to have a great marriage, there are some things you just have to say, you know what? This isn't worth it. Amy, when she works with women all the time, she always says, listen, you married a man. Men will do men things. You got to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let some things go. Be slow to anger. I love Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. In your anger, if you get angry, do not sin. A lot of people don't realize, but you can get angry, and being angry is not a sin. It's what you do with your anger. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, let me stop right there and say, some of you, if you just get this one point and nothing else we talk about, this can be one of the most life-changing principles for your marriage. Don't let the sun go down when you're angry. Don't go to bed mad. Don't go to bed with unresolved issues. The Bible says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Here's what I want you to think about. Anytime you go to bed with an unresolved issue, what you just did is you gave the devil a foothold into your marriage. Anytime. And it's, it's that dramatic. Anytime you, you didn't work it out, you didn't forgive, you didn't talk about it, you go to bed and guess what happens the next day? You wake up and the little problem is a little bigger. And I'm telling you, I know there are a lot of you right now going, oh, you know, this is a stupid, you, you don't know my husband, you don't know, you know, the person I'm married to, I mean, he's a, got the gift of being a jerk, you know, and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you what you have today started one day sometime years ago when there was an issue that you didn't work through. And over years it compounded and it became more complex. And what you did is you cracked open the door by not working something out. Amy and I have agreed we will never go to bed angry. We will work it out. Now, to be honest with you, there have been times we've gone five days without going to sleep. Okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you have to work through some hard things or forgive, but we are not going to go to bed angry. No unresolved issues. We're going to fight this thing out and we're going to stay on it because we are not going to let our spiritual enemy destroy what God has joined together. This is all about seeking God and we're going to fight fair. And now, let me just tell you, those of you who aren't married, I'll give you a little hint. There's, with the minute you get married, you're just like infused with understanding of how to fight dirty at night. You get in bed, and here's what happens. You assume the fighting position in bed, and it's called back-to-back. -back. Those of you who are married, you know what I'm talking about. She faces one wall, he faces the other, and then there's a silent fighter, and there's a huffer. Amy's the silent one. She lays there. She won't move. She doesn't breathe. She doesn't want to give me the satisfaction of knowing that she's even still alive. I'm the huffer. I'll wait five minutes, and then it's like, <gasps> and then I flop over in the bed, and then I pull the covers, and then I get up and go to the bathroom. Because you do that a lot when you're in your mid-40s at night. And I go to the bathroom, and then I slam the toilet lid back down, and I come back, and I get in bed, I wait, and I huff. Okay? Don't do that. 
There's, there, is, there is nothing good. And then what you do is you make sure you don't touch any body parts. You never let your foot accidentally drift over into enemy territory where you could accidentally brush. And if, if they brush your toes, like, pull it. You're not getting any toe. Don't you think you're getting, you're getting nothing, no toe. You want some toe? You can play with your own toes as far as I care. And you just, okay. How many of you are the silent type? You're the silent type? You're the silent type? Huffers? Huffers? Yeah, God bless you. I see those hands. Okay. In your anger, do not sin. Do not sin. Here's what we do in our marriage, all of us. We're seeking God. But what are we doing? We're praying together every single day. Now, we talked about that last week, and some of you, you're going to start it, and you're going to be tempted to stop. Don't stop. It's who we are. Don't stop flossing. Remember? Don't stop praying. Don't stop. Do you, you missed a day? You missed a few days? Start again. We're seeking God. We fight fair. If we're continuing to seek God, guess what happens when we get in a fight? Well, we know we're going to be praying to get to again today, so golly, well, it's hard to fight and pray with somebody. It's hard, it's hard to throw high heel shoes at someone and then pray with somebody. It's hard to be intimate with God and live in ongoing bitterness and unforgiveness. So when we're fighting, we don't react in, with the sinful flesh, you know, ah, fighting back and, and below the belt. Instead, because we've been seeking God, we learn to respond by his spirit, and there's a big difference. We don't react in the flesh, we respond by the Spirit. Oh, that's so good. I don't know how you just sit there and, and eat this steak and don't just say, mmm, that's good preaching <laughs> every now and then, okay? We, we, don't, we don't react. We respond. We've been, we've been seeking God, and we respond. We ne we're never going to let our spiritual enemy get his foot in the door in our anger. We're not going to sin. Now, I asked Amy to give her comments on this, and so I interviewed her and what I want you to know is I didn't give her my nose. This is just all what she said. And so she might confirm some of what I said. So Amy, most couples will fight about odd things from time to time. What are some of the funny things that we've fought about over the years? We have fought over just the silliest things, but at the time, they are not silly, they're not petty, they're serious. We're mad because you wanted a thin pancake and I want mine thicker and whole wheat. You wanted just the regular white pancake and silly things like that. Uh, also, when we're in a car going somewhere we don't know and the directions just get crazy and things can get heated up pretty quickly when you are thinking, I'm not doing my job uh, navigating. Well, we fight about that because you're navigating by the sun and the stars. <laughs> that drives me crazy. So, anyway, what are some things that we've learned about over the years to fight fair with each other? I think as we've matured in Christ and God's uh, just shown us how to, to love each other, uh, we've learned to hold back our words. And in a moment when we're both upset or one of us is upset, um, it's real easy just to let words fly. And uh, we've learned some self-control, I think, in that area, especially me and I've learned to, um, to wait until um, my heart is calm and, and 
I'm level-headed so we can talk things out in a, in a clear way. And I think also we've committed to not go to bed um, or go to sleep before we've gotten things worked out. And that's been real important because it, it doesn't start the next day right when we're not getting along. I think uh, we never let arguments you know, really go past a day. And um, I think that's so important that we haven't had uh, just uh, the longevity of issues because we deal with it and uh, we deal with it before we go to sleep. So Amy, some couples find themselves fighting nonstop. If this is an ongoing problem, what advice would you have for them? Well, I think it is so important that when we are arguing that we really take a step back and think about what our objective is in the argument because so many times in our emotions, we have pride and we just want to be right. We just, we want to be heard. If we're hurt, we want to be right and we're fighting for the wrong reasons. We need to fight for restoration. That's a, such a good answer that we need to fight for restoration, especially so that pancakes will stay thin. All right, so uh, as we wrap this thing up, let me just, let me just acknowledge something for a moment and, and say, I know that in the marriages represented at all of our churches, we've got some of you who you're fighting because you don't like the way he chooses food out in public or he doesn't like the way you leave trash in your car. And we've got all the way to the other extreme where she came home and saw him looking at porn this week or she cheated on him with his close friend or there's abuse and, and there's violence. And I understand the complexity of and the range of what we've got and so I, I don't I don't want to uh, go by without acknowledging that but at the same time I want to tell you if you seek God and if you fight fair I believe that the presence of God can bring healing in any relationship and I want to show you real briefly as we close uh, four warning signs that you may actually need to get some help and it's time to get some help, and it's time to let God help. Um, if you're taking notes, these are four signs you aren't fighting fair. These are actually from Dr. Gottman, um, and I'll put my own spin on it. Number one, there's criticizing. Number two, there's contempt. Number three, there's defensiveness. And number four, there's stonewalling. Criticizing, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. There's a difference between criticizing and complaining. Those are two different things. Complaining is, hey, you told me you were going to do this and you didn't do it. I wish you would have done it. That's complaining. Criticizing is, you never do what you said you were going to do. And when you find that in your marriage there's consistency of a critical spirit, that is the beginning of real danger signs, and you need to hear that. Hear it. Criticism then moves to contempt, where there's, there's disgust, there's eye-rolling, there's sarcasm, there's just the, I don't even really like the person that I'm with. From there, it moves to defensiveness. You'll see, I'll see it all the time. I, I, I talk to him, and he's like, it's all her fault. It's all her fault. It's all f I talk to her. It's all his fault. He's a jerk. He's, he's got the spiritual gift of being an idiot, you know, and it's just, and it's, it's none of it's my fault. And, and I'm telling you, it's always, it always takes two. And then finally, there's stonewalling where it's just like, I'm done. I'm, I, I don't care what, I'm just, I'm done. And what I want you to know is if you see those things, guess what? It's really time for you, and if you can get your spouse with you, to seek him, to seek him, to seek him, to seek him.
and when you seek him and when you fight fair, I want you to know, some of you right now, you think there is no way that this marriage could ever work. I want you to know all things are possible with our God. All things are possible with our God. And when you're fighting, what we need to do is stop being across from each other on the table and come get on the same side of the table and say, we're not going to fight against each other. We're going to fight against our spiritual enemy who's trying to destroy us, and we're going to fight for our marriage with everything in us. Are we going to fight? Yeah, we're going to fight, but we're going to fight fair. And we're not going to fight for victory. We're going to fight for resolution. And I believe as we seek God and as we fight fair, as we have fun and we stay pure and we never give up, you can have the marriage that God wants you to have. Don't give up. It is possible. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give hope and you would bring healing and you would bring restoration and you would bring forgiveness today as we pray. All of our churches, as you're praying today right now, whether you're married, whether you're not married, all of us have challenges in relationships at one time or another. Those of you who would say, I want to be more godly, and how I handle conflict. I want to be slower to speak. I want to be faster to listen. I want to handle anger righteously. I want to grow in my ability to handle conflict. Would you lift up your hands right now, just all over the place, just lift them up. And thank you for those of you who genuinely want to grow. I pray, God, in the name of your son, Jesus, that your word would be planted into our hearts. And God, we thank you that your word never returns void, but it always brings a harvest. I pray, God, that in your presence you would start to work on us, and God, that we wouldn't react in the flesh, but we would respond by your Spirit. God, I pray especially for those who are married, that where there's been sin, there would be forgiveness. God, where there's bitterness, there would be healing. God, I pray especially for those that feel like they're on the edge and can't make it. God, I pray that somehow in your presence, through your word and by your spirit, you would give them hope that all things are possible. And God, we commit to seek you and we commit to fight fair for our marriage and for your glory. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, I know there are a lot of you that life's been a big fight, fighting for everything you can. And today is a day that you're gonna stop fighting and you're gonna surrender to the God who loves you and wants to reveal himself to you. Understand this, the reason life is such a battle is we live in a sinful world. It's just, it's messed up because of sin. And we're messed up because we're sinners. And our sin, it leads us to do ungodly things and that's why we fight and that's why we have all the, it's because of the sin in us. But here's what God did for us. God in his love and his mercy engaged in the ultimate battle when he sent Jesus who was born of a virgin and without sin, Jesus became sin for us. Jesus did battle with our spiritual enemy on the cross. He shed his blood, he died, and he rose again. Why? So that we could be forgiven, so we could be saved, so we could be transformed, so we could experience his goodness, so we could experience his grace. And there are those of you at all of our churches, it's time for you to surrender to it. I've been blown away all week by those who have surrendered as couples, married couples who've said, we need him together, dating couples, those who are not yet married who say, I can't, I can't do it anymore, I need his grace, I need his forgiveness, I need his life, I need his salvation. Today I complain completely surrender my life to Jesus. My life is no longer my own. I surrender it to you. If that's your prayer today, would you lift your hands high right now? Just all over the place, lift them up and say, yes, 
back there. Praise God for you. Others of you back there as well, up here close to me and over here on the side. God bless you guys. Right back over here. How awesome. Church Online, you click right below me. Others today who say, yes, I need his salvation. Lift up your hands and say, yes, I need his grace. We need his mercy. Right back over here. Praise God for you. Right over here as well. How awesome. Others today say, yes, that's my prayer. That's our prayer. Would you all pray aloud with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me for all my sins. Make me new. I believe that Jesus died for me and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody get a little bit loud, cheer, worship, and thank God. Welcome those today. Who